You are now listening to the Paper Cuts Comic Podcast with Dean DeFalco, Dan Ryan, Evan Goldstein, and Matt Munch. For the comic podcast with the most personality this side of the galaxy, it'll always be Paper Cuts. Over to you, Dan. Thanks, announcer guy, and thank you for checking out the Paper Cuts Podcast, issue 85. I am your host, Dan Ryan. Joining me this week is Mr. Matthew Much. Oh, hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm hanging in there. You know how I do. <laughs> I do. I do. And Mr. Dean DeFalco. Matt, I will tear your jugular right out with my fucking teeth. Ooh, is there an boy. echo in here? I think he said that before. You shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> Not joining us this week is Mr. Evan Goldstein. And, uh, well, we miss him. I don't miss him. I miss no? him. I miss him. He's uh he's in South Carolina, hopefully buying me beer. Which, I thought uh, it was North with- Carolina. Uh, no, Myrtle Beach is South Carolina. I don't know where he is. Wherever he is, I, I hope he's having a terrible. I'm not actually. I don't. I don't mean. That. I hope he's having a good time. Yeah, I hope so too. Uh, in case this is your first time listening to the show, this is a spoiler. Uh, a spoiler show. So if you haven't read your books yet, please go ahead and do so now. Pause the podcast. Come back when you're done. Oh, good. You're back. Thanks. Um, and if you haven't already guessed, uh, earmuffs because we curse a lot. Uh, so pretty. Uh, pretty interesting week of books this week. We're gonna start off. With uh, a new book from IDW, uh, my friends, sorry, at uh, IDW Publishing, uh, Brutal Nature Number One, which was uh, written by Luciano Saracino, uh, with artwork by Venom Space Knight's own Ariel Olivetti, and uh, this book was probably the most surprising thing I read this week. I had no idea what to think of this book going into it, um, other than it would look pretty. And it fucking hooked me, man. I really kind of dug this book. It it starts off with uh, with a girl running through the jungle, uh, a native-looking woman running through the jungle. She looks uh, very much like a Maori warrior, um, which I believe is New Zealand, right? Am I making that up? Sure, we'll go with Maori warrior, whatever that is. That Absolutely. Sounds, sounds you like got it, thing. Dan. You're the educated one, Dan. <laughs> You fuckers need to read more. Um, so she looks like a, uh, or at least I can't watch read more. Or write. Dis- uh, well, fair enough. Like watch more Discovery then. Uh, she looks like a Maori warrior uh, running through the woods. But I, I, my assumption here is that this is taking place during um, uh, conquistador times, like Spanish conquistadors going to uh, South America, like Aztecs and Incas and that sort of shit. Uh, because the, I think they mentioned the Spanish Inquisition in this, and the the pantaloons and helmets that the soldiers seem to be wearing uh, are very reminiscent of that time period of the dress of that time period and I, when the I didn't even expect were coming them. over I, I did not expect <laughs> no one at all. never do that's the thing is that you never like ever expect the Spanish Inquisition no one ever does I, I know right. I, I, I was like my god it's them my goodness man uh, she's running through the jungle these men are attacking her uh, they call her Your Majesty. I don't know if she is a princess or not. We don't cover that in the book. Um, perhaps we'll get there. But uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of voiceover going on about the jungle and how the jungle is dangerous and dark and it's all these things and and the jungle fights back and a fucking bear, just this brutal looking, not the murder bear from Venom Space Night. This is a much Pick scarier Rolo. looking bear. Yeah, not Pick Rolo decapitates a conquistador uh dude fucking like the rest of the guys run away or try to run away as this bear just 
murders everyone but this woman and one dude who happens to get away. The, uh, during the fight, the bear gets stabbed in the side, and as the bear kind of like leans down to the woman, he, the bear takes a mask off, and it's just a dude with like this pretty dope-looking bear mask, and he's got a fucking stab wound in his side. So like right away in the first couple of pages, we are introduced to a, uh, a very kid chameleon-esque storyline where this guy can apparently put on masks and become animals. And I was hooked by, like, page six. What about you guys? I mean, we'll um, go through the rest of the book, but... Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting book. It was probably the one I liked the least, but it wasn't a bad book. Like, I still enjoyed it. It was just my least favorite out of the ones we read this week. Fair enough. Matt, what did you think? Yeah, I, I found it to be a... Oops, sorry. I found it to be a pleasant surprise. I didn't really know what it was. I had either forgotten or not read the preview. So mm-hmm. I just dove into it, then the guy uh, reveals himself to be a guy by taking off the bear face, and I was like, all right, all right, I want to know what's going on here. Yeah, I thought that was a very compelling opening couple of pages, too, because I didn't read a preview, like I barely even looked at the solicitation, it was just Ariel Olivetti, he draws pretty, let's fucking read that. Um, it's a good reason. Also, yeah. um, they do point out later, you'll probably get here, but uh, there aren't bears there. Mm-mm. It's pretty much just like the polar bear in Lost. It's just like, wait a minute. If you think <laughs> about this for two seconds, that doesn't belong there. That should. These are things that should not be. And most bears don't have Avatar: The Last Airbender face paint. <laughs> they certainly don't. But maybe they should. Maybe that's a, I. Anyway, that's a podcast for another podcast. So uh, our one loan could. Conquistador gets away and gets to a city, a, a settlement that it appears the, uh, the Spanish have built. And we know it's the Spanish now because there are Spanish roof tiles. And he goes and finds uh, whoever is in charge of this settlement. And uh, he's a, a, a handlebar mustachioed man who says... It's uh, Salvador Dali, basically. Pretty much. And he says, uh, fuck it. One more time. I missed it the first time. Please fucking explain what the hell happened. And dude tells the story and he's lying. He's like, you know, well, we were chasing a girl, a warrior, a warrior. It was definitely a warrior that we were chasing through the jungle and a fearsome warrior that got away from us. And, uh, the only people that survived was, uh, me and the girl, the warrior. I mean, the warrior, not definitely wasn't a girl that got away. Oh boy. Please don't kill me. But he does anyway. Spoilers. Uh, this dude gets hanged, <laughs> ran away, which was, that sucks. I mean, poor dude. He wasn't lying. He was telling the truth. It was a second hanged. or third surprise. Eh, he was kind of lying. He gets hanged anyway. Well, okay. But um, dude says, uh, the guy who's in charge here says, don't fucking tell anybody else. Uh, his name is Lord Erasquin. He says, don't tell anybody else about this story. And then we get uh, a, a, a whole couple of panels of so okay so there was the giant jaguar that murdered a hundred people and then uh there was whatever the hell that was that surprised a couple of people over here and then uh there was a 200 foot snake and now there's bear and what the fuck is going on and as he's talking he's talking to a friar uh the friar says well obviously it's the work of the devil um, because people back in the day were stupid. And when they couldn't explain things, they went, 
by the devil. So they think it's the devil, and their solution is to send for their their best inquisitor, uh, a torturer, basically. I mean, the Spanish Inquisition was basically torture to get people to confess to shit that they had not done. They wanted a confession, and they put people on the rack, and if you get stretched on the rack, if you're in enough pain, you will be like, yes, I totally fucking did that. That was my thing. So uh, we see our uh, our hero, his name is Ick, Ick, I-C-H, I don't know how the Ick. fuck you would say that. Ick, right? Ick or itch? Ick. I'm gonna go with Ick. Ick. It's okay. Aztec. I don't. It could be anything. I mean, we don't. Yeah. I, fuck. So, ish. ish. Let's go with ish because that doesn't sound like ick, which is a disease that fish get and it kills them. Uh, so ish. I like that, Matt. Thank you. Uh, is he heals? He loses a couple of days here. He's been asleep for a few days uh, from his wound. But the the female warrior that he helped out, Yuretsi uh, or Yuritsi. Uh, helps him, brings him back to life, and he pulls a the mask of a hawk out of his uh, out of his little knapsack that he's got with him, puts it on, and turns into a hawk and fucking flies away, which is fucking cool. And the whole beats time, walking. It fucking certainly beats walking. He's uh, he's talking about how he is trying to get to this this village. He can hear his people. He wants to save his people, and when he gets there. Lo and behold, he is too fucking late, and they have been murdered. So Ish is now has a reason uh, to fight these people, especially when this Inquisitor dick uh, shows up. Sebastian Deloup is going to Deloup. show up here. Deloup, perhaps. I don't know. I'm not French. Uh, he's torturing a witch. Uh, he's stretching her out, and she is just like, I killed 60 people. I drank the blood of children. Uh, I fucked a bunch of demons. I killed 240 people. I fuck, what do you want me to say? I fucking did every all of it. I did it. I was in one of my things. Fucking please, just kill me. And uh, he does. He says off with her head, and she responds with, "Thank you." Um. So now this dude uh is talking to a raven. The raven tells him he's needed in America, and uh, he's gonna come over. And fucking Ish uh is walking to wherever the fuck he's walking to. He's like Kane and Kung Fu. Finds some magic mushrooms, eats them. Uh, gets eaten by a fucking worm from the Sarlacc pit, and uh, has a vision, and there we go. That's that. That was the whole first issue, and I'm fucking. I'm way in. This is the best IDW book that I've read in quite a long time. It looked uh, now, gorgeous. I mean, Ariel Olivetti is a two way conversation with that Raven. Life. Yes. So. They're they're killing a woman for being a witch. Meanwhile, there's a guy receiving voicemail from a bird, and they don't kill him. Mm -hmm. Mm-mm. All right. Okay. <laughs> I get it. Well, he also seems to be working outside the confines of uh, the the religious ministry because when uh, they say when they send word that they need help to Sebastian Delu, he's like, "Oh, Satan needs help battling the devil, huh?" And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. I get it. That's, that's cute. <laughs> yeah. um, so he, he knows he's not a good person. But yeah. he, he's, also he's knows, he also knows that the assholes that think they're doing this for good are very convoluted. So I, like, I, I appreciated that, that part of it. Um, like I said, I didn't hate the book. 
Uh, I it just was my least favorite. Um, but I think it's still a great book. And I mean, if we want to keep reading it, fuck it, man. I mean, I I'll read about transforming people and shit though i'm not gonna lie he probably would have saved those people if he just took an uber instead of transforming into a <laughs> dude uber xl I, man it would have cost him like 15 bucks to get there yeah it would have been like nothing i i thought the concept was really cool it's uh mayan or aztec or incan uh lore and mythology is is rich and deep and there is a lot of story potential uh to be derived from those various mythologies and whichever one that they want to hit on, or even if they don't hit on any of them, just, you know, kind of pulling a, a, a mishmash of, of everything from them. Uh, there's a lot of really cool potential here. And I thought for a debut issue of a book, I knew nothing about this did more than enough to hook me and want, make me want to read the next one. Yeah. It's a pretty untapped source as far as, um, that goes because a lot of people don't know about that sort of mythology. You know, a lot of people know about, you know, Greek mythology, Norse mythology, stuff like that. Even, I mean, Chinese and J Japanese mythology is probably less obscure than uh, ink and mine stuff, unless you're really into South American culture. So uh, it's it's cool to see uh, that this is being picked up and kind of thrown forward and see where it goes. And it looked gorgeous. Oh, it did. I, but the artwork, I mean, I, Venom Space Night, you know? Can't go wrong. Just ugh, Olivetti is just so damn good. So it's a it's a buy it a definite buy it from me, Matt. Yep, buy it, Dean. Yeah, buy it. All right. Moving on to Old Man Logan number six. Uh, the the only, I mean, we've talked about this series I think enough at this point. My only complaint with this book is that it's so good I read it too damn fast. I, well, I don't like, think you're reading it too damn fast. I think it's just a very short, quick book. That's just they're oh quick. God, I just I blow through these, and when I'm done, I'm like, "Fuck!" I wish there was more of this. Like right now, uh, once again, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Andrea Sorrentino. Uh, this continues the border town storyline that sees uh, Logan up in this Alaskan border town with the ice roads. We talked about that two or three episodes ago. Uh, go back and check that out if you want more on that. But uh, we saw in the last issue that the Reavers were showing up. Lady Deathstrike and Bone Crusher was the fucking guy with the tank treads that I couldn't remember. Um, and some of these other just really obscure, weird mutants. Um, this book starts off with uh, Mr. Bur with uh, Burgers, uh, Maureen's dog, has gone missing. We saw at the end of the last issue that the dog had been murdered by the Reavers. Um, so Maureen, obviously, as a kid, is going to be very upset. Logan says, no problem, I'll go out and I'll find your dog. Uh, as he's walking around, he sees the dog murdered, and as he's standing there, uh, a chopper shows up and just starts fucking shooting at Logan, killing people in the town, and he says it in his kind of voiceover monologue that he made a horrible mistake, he was being selfish, and the people of this town don't deserve this because the Reavers never would have come here. Like, nobody fucking comes to towns like this. The only reason they're here and the only reason these people are being fucking murdered is because of him. So it's more death that he has to deal with. And as he's, uh, he's kind of inner monologuing, fucking Bone Crusher shows up. Or Bone Breaker, sorry. Bone Breaker, the, uh, the guy with the tank treads uh, for the lower half of his body. And he fucking just blasts the shit out of Wolverine, uh, fucking full of, filling him full of bullets. 
uh, runs over his legs with his tank treads, and uh, he fucking shoots him with a missile. And Logan, in a really badass panel, pops up through the bottom of the tank treads. And this oh, is... dude, he pulls a Hulk on him, man. Oh, I fucking I love the way this book looks when they do just the white, black, and red pa- panels. Mm-hmm. It looks so good. He just he pops up through the bottom of Bonebreaker, separates him from his tank treads, and just fucking obliterates him. Oh, yeah, like, stabs him right in the fucking head, man. Stabs him right in the fucking throat. Just oh god, it's so brutal. So goddamn brutal. So he murders Bonebreaker, and the, the sheriff shows up and is like, uh, fuck, freeze, I guess. What are you? Holy shit. Whatever you did, don't, am... don't, don't do that to me, please. <laughs> I am out of my goddamn league like you wouldn't believe right now. Please don't fucking murder me. And uh, Logan just pretty much says, get all the people over to the quarry. It's the best defense we have against what's coming. You know, get there. All the people show show up, all the adults show up at the quarry, and somebody realizes, ah, fuck, all the kids in the town are still at school. Shit. We, like, missed them. Damn it. We forgot has, about our love and joy. Whoops. All, all of the children. And there's, like, seven. I mean, it's not, you know, say all of the children. It's not a big school or a big town. But all the kids are in the uh, the church basement. Logan shows up. Well, after Mr. Uh, Uncle Muzzle uh, shows up first, who's just this weird fucking nightmare of scalpels and razor blades, and just uh, Logan shows up, fucking beheads him, um, destroys that guy, uh, and says, "Come on, we're all gonna go. We're gonna uh, we're gonna get out of here. You know, kids, you just follow me." And he's talking to Maureen, who we are, you know, as far as we are led to believe, anyway, is going to grow up to be his wife. That leads into the original old man logan storyline uh as a kid he's leading them out uh pops up with uh one of the other reavers pops up takes one of the kids hostages looks like it's marine and uh says give yourself up logan or everyone in this town dies and to be continued fuck can it be continued like now just more of this please right but then then they wouldn't get our money they they want our money, so mm-hmm. and very good marketing on their part. They can just I shut mean, up and take my money. They they can really just shut up and take my money. It's so good. I mean this this is the best. This might be the best book that Marvel's putting out right now. Am I? Uh, it's, am it's I definitely off on a that? good could book. No, 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 I'm 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 not disagreeing with you. It's it's a really solid Marvel book and. Th- I don't think they could do any better on it. I don't think it, it could be improved. Venom space? No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, what more needs to be said? It's a buy it from me, Matt. Yeah, buy it. Dean. Snick, snick, motherfucker. Snickety snack. All right. Fucking. <sighs> so, just future quest number s- one. Okay, before we get into this, before we even get into this, I was um, on Kotaku earlier, and they said, nice try, DC, and that was the title of the, the post, but I saw there was a, a Twitter <laughs> post about uh, uh, the book that we're about to talk about, Future Quest, and mm-hmm. apparently DC can't get their own characters right, because <laughs> instead of, uh, they, they, they put, you know, character A, character B, character C, and more in Future Quest, so they uh, it was, I think they said Hawkman, uh, <laughs> Right. Dr. Zinn and Johnny Quest and more and Future Quest. You know who's really? not in this book in Future Quest? 
Hawkman? Yeah. Yeah. They were thinking of Birdman. Really? Yeah, no, that happened. Yeah, that's uh, that's oh, Harvey Birdman. Man. Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. I, dude, I was um, so hyped when he showed up. I was like, it's Birdman. That was fucking awesome. Fucking Birdman. This, uh, this book is a little bittersweet, though, man, because this will go down as one of the last credited works of, uh, of Darwin Cook. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Yeah, he did the character designs on this book, and I've talked a little bit about um, my pseudo-friendship with, uh, with Mr. Cook uh, before on the show, but as I've, as I've mentioned before, um, I met Darwin uh, a number of years ago at uh, DragonCon in Orlando, Florida, and he was kind enough to uh, sit outside and bullshit with, uh, with my wife and myself and my friend Brian uh, for about three hours, we just stood outside. Wow. Uh, he he just he went outside for a cigarette break, which, I mean, it's kind of weird now because he died of lung cancer. Like last Friday, they announced that Darwin Cook was entering hospice uh, for treatment for very aggressive cancer, and it was then Saturday that he died, um, which was very reminiscent of when Michael Turner passed away. It was like he's got cancer. And now he's dead. Like there was no, there was no time to to even think about it. Really, it it um, seems but, like a lot of the talent in the comic industry just uh, keeps plugging away <clears throat> even when they're sick, and they don't really announce. Well, that, they don't. They yeah. don't have a choice. I mean, the, these aren't. No, you're right. They're not like guys, stars. You know. Well, not even that they're not stars, but for a lot of these guys, uh, this is work for hire. They don't have benefits. They right. don't. You know, there's not a comic book workers union and unless you sign an exclusive contract with a company where you are an employee of DC and not a freelancer, um, you know, or Marvel or Image or whoever, uh, you just you don't have the benefits and the and the, the security that comes along with a lot of this shit. But, you know, Darwin, uh, Darwin Cook, like we were, my friend Brian and I were, were standing outside. We were walking around this Comic Con and decided we wanted to go out. I was still smoking at that point And. You were like, let's go out and smoke a cigarette, and uh, we popped outside, and you know, I was like, holy shit, Darwin Cook is over there. Like, let's fucking go say hi, because my my buddy Brian, his very very favorite thing, is uh, is New Frontier, uh, Darwin Cook's New Frontier. Which if nobody, if you're listening to this and you have not read New Frontier, you owe it to yourself to read that book. It is the it, greatest. It's love up there letter with Kingdom to, Come. Yeah, it really is. It is the greatest love letter to superhero comics that I have personally ever uh read it's it's simply a fucking masterwork and um you know so we saw we saw darwin and we just went over just to say hi and say hey man um you know big fans of your work or whatever and three hours later he looked up and he was like well i guess i should get back to my table to sign now and i we we literally just had a, a three-hour conversation about comics and life and you know, everything else with Darwin and we would see him at future cons and, you know, it was always a friendly like, hey man, how you doing? Kind of thing. And uh, he eventually ended up drawing um, an engagement picture uh, that my friend Brian uh, proposed to his then girlfriend uh, with. And it was a commissioned piece that Darwin drew uh, for free because he liked us. Um, and certainly he liked, he was closer with Brian because I moved away from Florida. But uh, he drew this picture of Green Lantern um, using his power ring to make an engagement ring uh, for Zatanna. And it was just this really touching, sweet thing. And 
it, oh God, it's, it fucking crushes me, man. Like, it absolutely crushes me that a guy as talented as this is, is gone at 53. It's not fucking fair. It's not right. <sighs> no, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's, it's, it. it's rough. It just and sucks. Can- just fucking cancer sucks. Is a- yeah, cancer is a terrible thing, and uh, fuck cancer. You know that is, that is, is pretty much that what is we why, come down to. Yeah, there, there's multiple organizations in place to just try and stop things like this from happening because we lose great people that way, and uh, it it sucks. You know, so uh, I mean, I, this this goes without saying for anything. I mean, if if you want to try and help along, you can always donate towards a cause you know to ending cancer because this this shit sucks you know losing such talent like that at such an early age is is sad and it fucking gets everybody man it doesn't matter rich poor black white anything in between all around doesn't fuck it it is it is indiscriminate man and ah just god damn it it bums me out like i'm i am i i am thankful for the work of his that we have um, because it is some of the best shit. His relaunch of Catwoman with Ed Brubaker oh, is fucking stunning. His Parker books were incredible. Um, we will have more on Darwin Cook in the future, but uh, back to the book at hand here. Uh, future Quest number one featured character designs um, or sort of tweaked slight redesigns uh, from the original Hanna-Barbera universe uh, done by Mr. Darwin Cook. But the masterfully updated, I would say. Yeah, yeah, just some some updates, some modernization of these characters. Uh, the book itself was uh, written by Jeff Parker, uh, with art by uh, Evan Shanner or Doc Shanner, and pretty much what this book appears to be is a amalgamation of all of the Hanna Barbera uh, superhero type stuff that they had. The, uh, the book starts off with uh, the Space Force, I think is what they were called. Yeah. Um, the Space Force fighting this big battle and one guy being left over after the entire Space Force is fucking obliterated by this giant tentacle monster. Um, Omicron. The, Omicron or Omicron or whatever the yeah, fuck Yeah, whatever, it was. something like it. Um, just a giant tentacle monster blows up everyone uh, but this last dude. And then we flash forward to the present day, and Johnny Quest and Haji are flying around in the Florida Everglades with uh, some some jetpacks. Motherfucking jetpacks, man! Fucking just rocking around. Oh, and I forgot. Uh, Steve Rude also did some artwork in this book too, and Steve Rude is awesome. He's Rude the dude. He uh, they're flying around with some jetpacks, and we see uh, we see Mr. Race Bannon flying behind them uh, in a helicopter, and uh, it is. I haven't like really watched or read any like serious take on the Hanna-Barbera stuff since I used to watch Harvey Birdman attorney at law. So trying to get back into these characters seriously after watching that was, uh, was a little strange, but uh race Bannon is following after them. Uh, we see Mr. Birdman and uh, another uh, a lady show up. Uh, I don't recognize her, or I don't remember her. They said her name, anything. but it, it didn't ring a bell. I, I think it's more yeah, that's of an what assistant I'm saying. character for, for Birdman. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, Deva Sumati. Deva Sumati. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know if she's a thing. My Hanna Barbera knowledge is not a uh, limited. Is not nearly up to snuff, I suppose. Um, but uh, they're going in, and they are meeting with uh, um, fucking Dr. Quest, 
uh, he he has noticed that there are some some things that are going on, some vortexes that are appearing that he wants to study, and the evil Doctor Zinn is also studying them. Which it always makes me happy when Doctor Zinn shows up because he's such a throwback to like '40s era pulp comics and and Flash Gordon style villains and whatnot. He's just it, it was just cool and and very old school. Um, there's a certain charm to it, but uh, they're they're searching these vortexes. And it appears what this book is going to be. I mean, to kind of cut it short a little bit, because there's a decent amount of stuff that happens, but none of it's super impactful. This is a 40-page uh, book, so, I mean, this yeah. is all establishing stuff for what's going to happen soon. Yeah. What, what this appears to be is basically the, the Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, Hanna-Barbera edition. We, yeah, we're, the... we're establishing a universe for, so that they can make a comic line going forward, hopefully. But this is them dipping their foot in the water. Yeah, we see these vortexes, and there's a bunch of, like, recognizable stuff in there, like the Herculoids are in there, and um, uh, just just Hanna-Barbera properties in general. And uh, Birdman shows up. He he does his, you know, for the grace of Ra or by the power of Ra or whatever the fuck he says. And uh, he and Avenger, the Blue Bird, the Blue Falcon uh, show. Oh, fuck, maybe Blue Falcon will be there. And Dynamut, that would be awesome. Uh, they, they go off, and Dr. Zinn is... Um, you know, sending his evil little robots up, and as uh, this dude happens to show up, this little boy in a very Deus Ex Machina kind of way shows up in a, uh, a a pontoon boat in the Florida Everglades, takes uh, Johnny and Haji away. He's like, "Get on! As- I'm not stopping, bitches! Come on, motherfucker, get in!" And as they're uh, as they're sailing away through the uh, Florida swamp, fucking Space Ghost pops up. You're like, gonna die, panel. bitches! <laughs> Space <laughs> Ghost. Pointing his shit at these people, going, I will destroy you. I was like, fuck yeah. Oh, it was Could great. Continued, the I'm in. Best part of the I book loved was right it. there. Yeah. Oh, I love this book. Like, Space Ghost is awesome. These, uh, the old Hanna-Barbera characters are really cool. There's a lot of, uh, like, Birdman's really cool. The Herculoids were cool. Um, you know, I hope they show up. Uh, Johnny Quest is fucking cool. You know, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of potential here. And the book was handled with, uh, with so much love. Like you could tell that the the three creators on this book, the, that uh, Steve Rude, Evan Shanner, and Jeff Parker, really have an affinity for these characters. There was a lot of love in here, and I think they're going to do it right. Yeah, I, I mean, if if there's one thing to be excited for about this uh, this rebirth thing that we're going through right now, the DC rebranding and all that, it's that we might get some of this old Hanna-Barbera stuff coming out of it, which is which is awesome. And it's being taken seriously. I mean, this isn't necessarily a kid's book. This was kind of wordy, had a, had a like deep plot going back. This wasn't just like, yeah, Space Ghost's gonna save the day. It was <laughs> it was it was cool, man. It was it was a lot of fun to read. Even 40 pages. I, I really enjoyed it. Like I was sitting up in my seat just going page by page. I was really interested in it. What did you think, Matt? Uh, I thought it was good. Uh, I was a little... I don't know if I was confused. I didn't know what to think because for really, practically speaking, my only exposure to these characters is uh, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law, and Space Ghost, coast to coast. So I don't know them in this context. I in knew a it serious existed. context, right. I knew it was a thing, and they're yeah. returning to it. It's not new. But uh, 
that was that was all I had to go off of. So I was a little confused. I was thinking like, okay, did uh did the Johnny Quest crew were they friends with Birdman? That that's uh, not new. No, no. Like all of this, as far I now, like I said, my my knowledge is somewhat I, limited. But I think this is new canon. Uh, yeah, as far as I know, this is all like the the Hanna Barbera stuff. Back then, like Thundar the Barbarian didn't hang out with the Herculoids, and Space Ghost didn't hang out with Harvey Birdman or the the Quest family or whatnot. Like I think that was all very separate, and this is their. Oh, so that is new. Yeah, I think this is their attempt to bring this all together. Okay. I could I could be wrong. Um, well, that okay. No, that's that's fine. I'm gonna I have mean, to uh, I'm gonna have to watch a lot of Boomerang, I suppose, which is where <laughs> I think all this shit is on. And uh, Deva is new. Is her Deva's first new. appearance? Okay. Okay. Cool. And so I, uh, I didn't miss something. It it looks good. I like it. It's definitely got something. Uh, it's a little weird. Just because, uh, like, was Dr. Zinn part of Greater Hanna-Barbera, or was it a no, Quest Doc- villain? Or? Dr. Zinn was, uh, was like, uh, Dr. Quest's, um, like, main villain, like, okay. on the Johnny Quest right. show. I got he you. Was, He's the Dr. He Wily the big to Dr. Bad. Light. Yeah, he really, I mean, like, they, they said it in the book, like, uh, the top three minds, like, Dr. Quest is one of them, and <sighs> Dr. Zinn is just as smart as Dr. Quest, but doesn't care about selling weapons to terrorists, pretty much. Kind of idea, so. Oh, yeah, so I crashed into a Triceratops? Yeah, pretty much. You know, because fuck those. We don't need them anymore. That's true. They have no place. <laughs> they really, de- like, it would be cool for, like, a minute, and then it would be like, where the fuck am I going to put this Triceratops? Son of. But the uh, anyway. multiverses are cool. Yeah, I, I thought it was cool. I, it was really well done. I liked the artwork a lot. It's it's a very classic, classic style of artwork. There's it not a lot of heavy inking, but a lot of nice colors. And I was in, man. I really, really, really liked it. I, I thought this was a great book. Are we gonna read a DC book? Maybe. Uh, what, We're gonna what read they, a Hanna Barbera book. Yeah, apparently. because what they need not to do. <laughs> is go ahead and go one step further and then mix this universe with DC because no one's going to read mm. that. You need to keep those Mm-mm. two separate. Oh, I hope they don't. Oh, yeah, man, like be... th- that would just be a huge misstep. What they have here is a chance to make original stories with characters that haven't been touched in like 20, 30 years. Which, Almost new characters. Yeah, it's, it's fucking perfect. All it they really need is. to do is not screw it up and they could have you know a way to step back into the spotlight again. Now, what do you think? We even want to keep these segregated from the new Scooby Doo and stuff. I, I, I'm actually, I'm really excited about the new Scooby Doo. Scooby Doo looks pretty <laughs> cool, but I, I, mean, I know, but if I am not if excited Quest about is Wacky tackling, Racer, but well, I don't. We'll see. But if Quest is tackling a multiverse, do we want to see that, or do we want them to just be like multiple I, Quest universes and not? Like Scooby Doo. I, I think because... Scooby Doo should be in its own canon. Uh, because, I do too. Yeah, Scooby Doo yeah. has its own sort of humor and stuff, and I don't think it'll necessarily go with what they're trying to do with um this this future quest book. Yeah, plus it's being styled completely different. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like completely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, completely different. But this was uh this was definitely a buy it for me. Um, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, buy this. All right. Do it. 
And Dean? Oh, 100% buy it. All right. So our last book of the week is the, uh, the, big, the big Biggie. The Big Biggie Ford uh, was Civil War II number zero, written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Oliver Poipiel. Um Pretty much setting up the next big fucking crossover that we're going to have to read. Um, uh, we start off with, uh, with She-Hulk, uh, Jennifer Walters, uh, giving a, a, an argument for the Jester, who is uh, even calling him a D-list villain, uh, is generous. Um, but here is a guy who we are led to believe to assume that w- he was part of the Mission Hill project that, uh, that we saw in the Mission Hill Omega, I think was the last one um, that ended. He, here was a guy who was on trial, uh, and basically, she says that he was uh, he was trapped. They he was talking to some undercover federal agents about the good old days of being a super criminal and doing some jobs and planning a heist and shit. And he didn't actually do anything. He didn't hurt anybody. He didn't rob anything. But because he used to be a fuckhead, uh, you should put him back in jail. Because even though they got nothing on him, uh, they spent your money. They spent tax dollars to try and get something. And we have to have something to show for it. Um, so she gives her whole argument. It's a very well-written argument. It's uh, it, classic Bendis writing, um, which if you're a fan, you have always been a fan. And if you're not a fan of Bendis, eh, nothing here is going to change that. Um, but really, really nice writing. A, a really well-done court scene, I thought. Those can, in comics, those can be a little boring. Like Daredevil has done it very well over the years, but there's been a couple runs on Daredevil where it's been like, I write enough with the court shit, you're not doing it well. Um, we then cut to Latveria with uh, Colonel James Rhodes in the War Machine armor, uh, saying that Latveria is under U.S. protection, and you know anything you do against Latveria right now is considered an act of global terrorism. Uh, you know, so Captain Rhodes diffuses the situation and then we jump to a moment where as i was reading it i went you know i didn't expect that at all but this makes perfect sense uh mr rhodes is or colonel rhodes is in the white house situation room talking to uh what we are to assume is president obama uh the the guy is certainly shown as an african-american gentleman uh but off in the shadow um which is good I, i hate when they put like the actual president, it dates the book to a specific time, and this showing him in shadow makes this book somewhat timeless. Um, but he says to Rhodey, you know, I'd like to make you Secretary of Defense. I know it's a job that you're not, uh, you weren't applying for or anything, but I would like to make you Secretary of Defense because that is your first step to taking my job. And I was like, Rhodey is president. That's a really fucking interesting concept. It's not a and bad idea, yeah. It's a, and it made perfect sense the way it was written here because the, the president character here says, look, one of these days, one of you fuckers is going to run for president. Like, Tony Stark is going to buy his way into the presidential, in, into my office. He's going to buy his way into the White House. And uh, I don't think it should be Tony Stark. I think it should be you. And it should be Rhodey. Like, out of all the characters that they have, it should be Rhodey. Rhodey should be president. Like, I am fully on board with Colonel James Rhodes for president um, after Bernie wins. Make, it, like make America roadie again. Make America roadie again. Um, so we're, he, 
so we're left with that. Um, we jump over to Ohio State University with a bunch of kids just kind of hanging out. Dude looks like he's about to go ask a girl on a date. And as he's about to do that, the Terrigan mists, the things that make inhumans the inhumans. Uh, we know since uh, the end of Secret War, the Terrigan mists have just been kind of swirling around the earth making new Inhumans because Marvel was like, fuck you, Fox, for having the X-Men. We're just going to make the Inhumans big. And creating new Inhumans. They're trying. Oh, my God, they're trying. Boy, they are fucking beating that horse to death. Oh, my God. I think that's that's Marvel's one weak spot is is that. Is this Inhumans thing? Yeah, if there's anything they're doing wrong right now, it's that. I'm not saying it's bad. But when they're shoving it in our I'm faces, it, it, you know, when they're shoving it in our faces every way possible, including like big crossover books like this, you you might be doing something wrong. Just saying. <laughs> it's there is no slow burn here. This is like no, we are fucking replacing the mutants. Like, stat, this is happening right now. What? How can we do it? Terrigan mists. Johnson, get me some fucking Terrigan mists. Make me some fucking characters. On it, boss. Uh, thank you. So uh, all these college kids are being fucking college kids. And uh, the Terrigan Mists wash over the crowd and cocoon two particular students. And everybody else is just kind of looking around. We jump over to Captain Marvel, who's now in charge of Alpha Flight up on the, uh, the, the Triskelion. She's in charge of the Ultimates. Um, Captain Marvel's fucking big right now, handling, uh, you know, precog kind of threats. Uh, Doc Samson shows up, which is fucking cool because it's Doc Samson. I love Doc Samson. I didn't haven't even know he was years. Marvel. Yeah, you're right. Um, haven't seen him in years, though. Doc Samson shows up. He's talking to uh, to Ms. Danvers, giving a little bit of a therapy session as she is telling him, you know, she tells him this, this kind of nice story. And it's true. Um, for those of you listening that have kids, myself included, and Dean and Matt not having children yet, but when you do... Um, Pretty much every day of your life is narrowly avoiding your kids killing each other is really what it comes down to. Like, shit just happens where you're why the fuck are you doing that? What? Stop that. You're going to fucking kill each other. You are, you are this close to disaster all the time. Just, it is a constant state of almost ruining your life. And... Captain Marvel says it's very much like what superheroes are. They're constantly in a state of fucking villains are about to destroy everything. We're almost there. Oh, look, we narrowly avoided it. Like, that's, it's very similar to parenting. And, uh, you know, she says, you know, she realizes, like, wait a second, are you fucking putting me in a therapy session? You know, and he's like, ah, kind of, you know, people were concerned, but you seem to be doing all right. Um... Then we cut over. There's a lot of jumping around in this book, so stick with me. Uh, then we cut over to another helicarrier uh, where uh, Agent Hill is, or Director Hill is there. Jennifer Walters shows up, and this is where we really start to see the, the first big divide. Uh, Agent Hill starts to, sorry, Director Hill starts to talk to, to She-Hulk and says, you know, the guy you defended, the Jester, um, he's dead. He was killed uh, in prison by two inmates. They got into a fight uh, with he got into a fight with two inmates and a guard uh, shot Jester and killed him. And she says, well, She-Hulk says that he was innocent. You know, he went to jail. He didn't do anything wrong. He went to jail and Maria Hill re- responds with, uh, he was a repeat offender. Right. And She-Hulk kind of looks at her and says, no, not this time. 
and uh, Maria Hill, the final response, and I think perhaps the most important line in this book of really setting up, setting up where the Marvel Universe is going, uh, she says, you know, he would have done it again. They always do. Coming from the woman who set up uh, Pleasant Hill, not really much of a surprise. We jump back over to Ohio State University. One of the cocoons cracks open, um, and the, the male student who was going to ask the girl out, he's just standing there. He looks fine. And then the other, uh, another female student pops out, and she's a fucking demon. Uh, she's just a red demon. And uh, dude's eyes go red. There seems to be an explosion. He wakes up, and it is utter devastation. Like, a citywide fucking apocalypse. Not anything at all like what happened in the original Civil War, where there was, like, a small explosion, and a couple kids were killed in that one. This is... It looks like half the state is fucking burned down. That final panel. So that's our jumping off point for Civil War Two. Yeah. What did he, you guys think? Th that dude seems like uh, the hell that is that chick from uh, Deadpool, Nega Sonic, Nega Sonic, Sonic Age Warhead. Warhead. Yeah, he's that, but like ten times what fucking worse. <laughs> yeah, he really does. Yeah, like he yeah. just fucking exploded and very similar to to the fucking character um that started the first civil war whose name i can't remember right now um speedball you know, speedball yeah he fights nuke or whatever the guy's name is or fucking i don't remember um but causes dude to explode and you know but this i mean the devastation that this dude causes is insane well i, um, I mean he he is definitely the arguing point for Civil yeah. War, he's got to be, because, I mean, he literally annihilated a town, but he didn't know what he was doing. Is he responsible for it? I guess we're going to find out That's over the, the course question. of this uh, crossover. Yeah, we um, will. I, look, I, I'm a Marvel fanboy. I'm a Marvel zombie, as uh, Marvel fans are lovingly called. This was good. It didn't, it didn't knock my socks off. You know, uh, it, it was good enough. I thought I didn't think it was as cool as the the twisty turny reveals in uh, Pleasant Hill. I thought that was a little cooler. I really thought we were gonna go with more of that. Like, in I this, think it's this I think book. it's gonna be a combination of the two. You know, I think here here we have, you know, Maria Hill can set up that argument. Well, if I mind wipe this fucker, he won't know he can do this shit, even accidentally. Okay, all right, I see where you're going here. So. Uh, Matt, what did you think? I thought it was good. I was left really disappointed by the free comic book day Civil War mm -hmm. time because it, unless I read it wrong, it had almost zero content of any kind. I didn't read it. I uh, I took my daughter to free comic book day uh, here in the town we live in, and it was the comic book store was only allowing one book per person, which, oh, wow. yeah, it's kind of lame. But And I took my daughter, and she's going to be seven. Um, so we walked out of there with, uh, I picked up the Pokemon book for her and she picked up the DC superhero girls book. So I didn't read the civil war free comic book day one. I bet we you read the shit must. out of that Pokemon though. I did. I, we read it for bedtime story. There was, uh, Oshawott was telling jokes. It was bullshit. That, that's, he could okay. talk. I think so. I might've, I don't, it might not have been Oshawott. That's just, I remember him in there. It's a blue. Yeah. Blue shell. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so the, Otter. the, the free comic book day thing didn't have a lot of content in it. Wasn't Thanos on the cover of it? I don't know. I, I, might, I, I didn't I buy it. I don't have I didn't it here. Get it, yeah. Mm. I don't know. I, 
I was a little underwhelmed by this. It was good, but it wasn't did, great. I thought it did was. Civil, I it was good. I mean, I mean, you know, whatever. Did Civil War have this buildup? It was just like an incident, wasn't it? And then yeah. they got into an argument. This has been building over. Well, over the past entire event. I think yeah, the, the I, landscape of uh, comics have changed, though, because how long ago was Civil War? Four years? Uh, Three know. years? Uh, it's, no, Civil War or maybe is more than, than that. that. Hang on. Let, let's, uh, let's, let's do some fact-checking. Uh, Civil uh, War? Seven years, I think? Uh, yeah, I think... Oh, six, oh, seven. Okay. All right, so, so ten years ago. That, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the landscape <laughs> of, you know comic books has changed a lot since then so i the way they hype things up is a pretty big deal like if anything i think comics have gotten more popular and i think the publishers have taken note of that so when there's a big crossover i mean there's a big crossover every fucking year now it didn't used to be like that you know right uh so when when you have something like that, they they play it up to no end because they want to pump those fucking books out. So I I think comic books are designed differently because, you know, zero issue. First of all, I mean, doesn't even really start the book. I mean, we could say yeah, this is the first issue. This technically really isn't the first issue. This is I I think this one is setting the stage more or less. I think the mm-hmm. the next issue is where we're gonna start seeing a lot of the action. Well, yeah, yeah that's I mean, that was true. So much jumping around in this book, and it was it was well written. And look, anytime I can r- see Oliver Copiel's artwork, I'm I'm usually really it's happy gorgeous. about it because it's it's, it's amazing. some of the very best. I, I, also, oh sorry, no no, go ahead. I, I was just it's I was just, just gonna say right, you said jumping around twice, and She Hulk jumped onto the helicarrier. <laughs> it's a thousand did. feet over Dover, New Jersey. And she just she needed to talk to Hill, so she just jumped. Dude, she she's and landed she's, on it. She's a Hulk with with boobs. She's she can jump that high. She can jump as high as she fucking wants. She just has way more control over herself, which is nice. She Hulk's awesome. She oh yeah, is, yeah, she's awesome. I love I love how often She Hulk pops up. Like I never read her book when it's out because I'm not that interested in it. But as a supporting character, she's fucking phenomenal. But, um, I mean, I'm going to read it, obviously, um, you know, because I have to, not just for the show, but I would read it anyway. Um, I, I do think you should buy this book. Uh, I, I think it was good enough to purchase. Um, I don't know. Matt, what do you think? I, I do think it's a buy. It bothers me that it's $5, but yeah. I understand. Yeah. Also, I'm a complete idiot. Huge <laughs> things happened in the free comic book day. I don't know what was wrong with me. Okay. Um, I'll have to I'll go yeah. check it out then. I'll check it out. Uh Dean, what uh, about you? Yeah, buy it. I mean, there's nothing there's definitely nothing wrong with the book. I understand what you guys are saying, but I feel for a zero book, we have to temper our expectations because the main point of this book is to set the stage for mm-hmm. the rest of it because again, we were in a different time than we were when civil the original Civil War came out. I was back in high school when that book came out. Ten years ago was a long time, and uh, I, yeah. I mean that's that's just the times have changed. So when 
people who haven't read, you know, a comic book ever. They see Civil War the movie. They see a Civil War 2's coming out. Holy shit, I should read this. They're going to set the stage a little bit better. So people who are new to the, I mean, just comic books in general, will have an easier time getting into it to rather just push, shove, action, story, and then the only people that are getting it are Marvel fans that have been doing this for years. Right. The, the only people that are buying it are the people that were going to buy it anyway. Correct. Like, right. Yeah. I, I am hopeful that we will not just get a rehash of the last Civil War. Like, if this is Cap and Iron Man fighting again, that will piss me off. I think, I think it's going to be Rhodey and Iron Man. And uh, Captain Marvel and She-Hulk. They're all on the solicitations. Yeah, see, like, that I'm into. Like, especially Rhodey and Tony Stark against oh, yeah, each other. Like, that I think could be really good. Uh, yeah, those two have, like, been th- close forever. And, I mean, d- fucking Tony made him the damn suit. He did. He did. So, all right. So, four uh, four books this week and uh, four purchases this week. Not a Not a stinker in the bunch. Yeah, you bitches are spending money this week. You should also, uh, yeah. I also... I also read the new Darkwing Duck book. You should, you should read that. Good. Was DW in it? it? Was Darkwing Duck in it? Wasn't that the little yeah. kid's name? Was there name? trouble? There was trouble. Uh, what the hell is the kid's name? Goslin? Uh, Goslin, there we go. Yes. Yeah. It was it's Darkwing yeah. Duck, man. All right, let's, should, let's fucking do it. Read, yeah, let's you read it. read Darkwing Duck. All right, so uh, that about wraps it up for, uh, for this issue of the Paper Cuts podcast. Uh, announcer guy, say a couple things. Thank you, Dan! Attention listeners, did you know the Geek Aid crew are real people you can get in touch with? Did you also know you can keep track of what comes out on the fabulous Geek Aid website without even visiting it? Did you know that Dean irons his vest every hour on the hour to be prepared for anything? Wait, really? Well, you can keep in touch with Geek Aid by following them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and more. If that's not enough, you can also send them an email at mail at geekaid.com. Be sure to check out the show notes to get all the links and more information on today's episode. Back to you, Dan! Thanks again, Announcer Guy, and once again, thank you for listening to us uh, prattle about uh, comic books for an hour. We really do appreciate your support. If you have a second, why don't you head on over to iTunes and uh, leave us a five-star rating and review. It's the easiest way to get more eyes and ears on the show, and it is absolutely free. Join us again next week when we talk about a whole new slew of books. Uh, I haven't looked at the list yet, so I have no idea. I can't even tease anything. We'll probably talk about something from Marvel spoilers uh until that time for evan goldstein for matt much for dean defalco and for dan ryan i am dan ryan